0: Welcome to Stars, Stones, and Stories. I am your host, Rama, and together we are weaving ancient future wisdom as we birth the new earth. If you are into astrology, cosmology, living mythology, earth-based spirituality, kundalini technology, and ancestral healing you are home if you stumbled upon this podcast and are new to these topics this is sovereign sanctuary to expand and deepen your wisdom as a cosmic priestess i witness many at the threshold of great transformation i specialize in astrological divination Sacred site activations and priestess arts for the Aquarian Age. You may learn more about my work at ramatribe.com or follow Rama Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and support the work at patreon.com backslash rama tribe. This Community is your opportunity to claim your story, your unique identity and power, knowing that you are the hero of your own journey. You are a hologram for the collective and you matter. The world needs your gifts and creativity now, more than ever Ancestors, 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 we call to you. We call to you. We call to you. We're so grateful for your lives. And we know we cannot do this alone. We cannot do this without you. So we welcome you. We welcome your backing and your genius solutions to pour forth like sweet ambrosial nectar from the other world. Thank you, ancestors. Thank you for your gifts, your trials. Thank you for providing the shoulders upon that which we stand upon. Thank you for your support seen and unseen in these times. And we welcome in the powers and spirits of the East, the element of air, the powers and spirits of the South, the element of fire, the powers and spirits of the West, the element of water the powers and spirits of the North, the element of Earth. We welcome all of the directions and all of the keepers of the directions. We ground into Mother Earth and from this anchored space where we are connected and fully immersed in our sense of belonging, we gaze up into the cosmos and we welcome in All the planetary beings, the luminaries, all the goddess and god asteroids, our starseed nations, and our guides and our guardians of the holiest and highest calibers to walk with us in the sacred journey of life. In this episode, we will talk about this ring of fire solar eclipse and the zenith of the sun, the summer solstice season, and what these frequencies are about. And this episode lands at the gate of my 40th solar return. And I really had this vision of you all as my listeners having an opportunity to get to know me a little bit better in honor of this major passageway as I turn 40 and celebrate um, my birthday during the midst of this really like off-the-charts astrology. So... Um, I had a conversation, an interview with my sister, Nastasia Mento, and we ended up speaking about so many different topics. It's such a rich conversation, and I'm really looking forward to you all being a part of it. We talk about the cycles um, that are dissolving before our very eyes, the systems of oppression, what it is like um, from her perspective, to be a Black woman in America. Uh, We talk about psychic sensitivity, keeping vibes high in these times, the Great Pyramid, and our reflections on being in Egypt together. We also talk about story as a source of power, how we may find empowerment through the ancestral lineage, discernment in these times, dreams, inner work, the love, the beauty of sisterhood and brotherhood. And she closes with an awesome poem that I can't wait for you all to hear. So this is a special episode. It's a little bit different from my normal flow, and I'd love to hear what you think. I'm grateful you all are here. Yeah, let's dive in together. Today is my 40th solar return and it's june 19th it's juneteenth this morning the the moon and venus met up in gemini and as the moon paired up with venus retrograde the moon covered venus occulting the morning star of venus and if you're not familiar with solar returns in astrology The energetic that is present on the day of your birthday of your solar return casts a chart that you will then experience for that year to come. And last year on my solar return, Mars and Pluto opposed. Mars was in um, the sign of cancer and Pluto in Capricorn and it (laughs) this past year has been very intense, to say the least. And this year, I'm blessed with a solar return chart that is just in the dark moon phase of this cancer total solar eclipse new moon that happens late Saturday, early Sunday morning, depending on where you live in the world. So I'm really lucky to meet the forces of many retrograde planets for the year ahead. And obviously I know that this year ahead for me in particular is, um, going to be a lot of shedding and letting go. And also if you know much about the year 40 and different traditions, um, It is a layer of adulthood that we step into on our 40th birthday. It's when we're really ready for newfound levels of mastery, particularly if we've been committed to mastery in our own lives. So I am pretty excited about this year ahead overall and I woke up and Um, the internet wasn't working in my home and I had plans to do specific things, particularly around getting my podcast out and recorded to you all. And what I've really been receiving, not just today, but in the last few weeks is that, um, we're all going through some pretty outstanding highs and great, great challenges and how do we celebrate the accomplishments while we still have the pressure of the challenges around and amidst us? And also how do we stay flexible? How do we stay adaptable? So I'm recording this episode at my dear friend's house and um, she lives in a different neighborhood than I do in Asheville. And I'm like right near where interse- uh, the two major interstates merge and um yeah it's just like a whole other place to be speaking to you all from and I think it's important to share this because we are in times where we need to be adaptable and we have to be resilient you know even though things may not go exactly as planned exactly as we wish we find ways to keep up regardless This time right now from this Friday until the solar eclipse is a very powerful, potent time to dissolve, to shed, to let go of anything that is holding us back that we know we're ready to let go of. We have so many planets retrograde. I know you all have heard me speak about this. However, I would not be honoring the planets without saying it once more. We have Pluto retrograde, Jupiter, Pallas Athene, Saturn, Venus, and this past Thursday on June 18th, Mercury went retrograde and Cancer, and next week on the 23rd of June, or no, not the 23rd, on the um, 25th of June, Neptune will go retrograde. So it is an important time to be reviewing, to be revising, to be very flexible, to be fluid, to be willing to shift, to be willing to let go. And with the solar eclipse, there's going to be brand new energies, brand new timelines being anchored in. However, before we get to the solar eclipse, Saturday, tomorrow on June 20th, we welcome officially summer solstice the zenith of the sun this is the sun at its highest point at its peak in the solar cycle as we go through the eight solar gates we also can call this time of year midsummer or lithia it is the festival of attainment it is the celebration of the return of the dark and in the northern hemisphere we are celebrating summer solstice in the southern hemisphere, you all are celebrating winter solstice. So the sun will move into Cancer on Saturday, June 20th. And traditionally, in different cultures, this would be a time where people would stay up all night to watch the sunrise while celebrating the longest day. This is a time to really celebrate the fertility of the land. There's a ripeness, there's a fruition that is transforming, transpiring before our very eyes. Greens are abundant, herbs and flowers are plentiful, baby animals are growing. It is a time to really enjoy and also celebrate. And so we wanna utilize this time of year to focus uh to gather to harness the solar frequency the solar rays with healing energy healing intention positive intention that which you wish to be your true authentic self the solar rays the frequency of the solar light can come through and can literally burn away can literally dissolve anything that is not you So this is a very important time to call upon the strength of the sun, to shine bright, to filter through every cell of your being, to cleanse, to purify, to renew all that is you. With summer solstice, the sun is at the height of its power. This is why we say it is the zenith of the sun. Again, as I've spoken about with Gemini season, it is a time of welcoming the duality of all things. As we reach the turning point of the solar year, the cosmic wheel of time stops and it starts again. And as it stops and it starts again, we're also beginning to welcome back the darkness. And so this is an important time to honor both the light and the dark. And to know the value of darkness, that womb space of creation that we grow within our mothers, the great cosmic womb of creation, all life comes out of this rich, dark, potent soil. And so as we welcome the longest day of the year, from here on out, the days will begin to shorten. We will once more welcome more and more dark. The outer energy begins to wane and the inner energy begins to expand. Summer solstice is a time where we also are very connected to the direction of the south, which invokes the element of fire. Fire is spirituality, it is passion, it is our vital energy, it is instinctual, it is creative. And this is a time of year where we are really drawing our passionate, creative, true self out to be witnessed. So again, on Saturday, June 20th, the sun will move into cancer. And then the eclipse is on June 21st. It is a time of reset, of renewal. With eclipses, we can have sudden endings and sudden new beginnings. In addition to Neptune going retrograde on Tuesday, June 23rd, Venus will go direct on Wednesday, June 25th. And then on June 30th, we will have the second of three conjunctions where Jupiter and Pluto meet up. This one is unique because they're both retrograde and so it is a time to really reflect and revise. The first conjunction that we experienced with them was on April 4th of 2020 and the next one will be in November On July 1st, Saturn will re-enter the sign of Capricorn, where Saturn will be until December of 2020. And then we have our third eclipse of this late spring summer eclipse season, which will be on July 5th, and that is a Capricorn full moon eclipse. So if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling like you are just being slammed wave after wave, please know that you are not alone. The astrology is epically intense right now. And again, we're in the middle of this very powerful eclipse portal with so many planets retrograde. Every single person is feeling this on an individual level. We're feeling it on a collective level. And The truth is, is that the pressure is only going to increase over the next couple of weeks. So it's important that you are doing the practices of resiliency that really serve you in your life. Take good care of your bodies. You are very important. You are needed. And so... It's important to honor what your body needs, drink lots of water, eat good food, sleep when you're able to. If you're not sleeping, that is also a symptom of the eclipses. And so, you know, working with herbs like Tulsi, oat straw, lavender, and rose, chamomile can be very soothing to the nervous system and can help even if you're not able to get the kind of rest that you normally would. Playing beautiful music, taking long baths, doing the things for you that help you to feel uplifted. You know, if that means buying an extra bar of chocolate, then go for that chocolate. Do what is going to really make you thrive in these times. So from here, I just wish for you to um, sit back and enjoy this conversation with my sister, Nastasia, who I traveled to Egypt with in September of 2019. It's awesome to be here with you, Nastasia. I took some time. I mean, to be honest with you, my life has been like so crazy the past few weeks. And I know everyone is going through so much personally and then collectively. And as an astrologer, like I really know that, you know, because this is my work. It's like, I look at these transits, I study them, I sit with people. This has been one of the first times in years that I've really retreated because I had no other choice because I just went through this massive move and it was not... Planned, you know, it, it came up because of the pandemic, and it ended up being a, an amazing upgrade and such a gift and such a blessing on so many different levels. But that doesn't necessarily make it easier, especially when you've got a child. And I had her entire life in my basement. Everything I thought that someday I might have another baby, so I saved like so many things, and I didn't want to just throw them away or get rid of them randomly. Like I had to, so I had to figure out what can I sell? What do I want to give away? And when I give things away, like so point is, is that literally up until about three hours ago, (laughs) literally, my life has just been like boom, 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 so wild. And I wanted to take some time to get a little centered before we started today. And I found some YouTube videos and some presentations of you, like, offering your poetry, and it was just so beautiful. You're such a talented person. Thank you. Thank you for your art, and would you like to officially introduce yourself? You know, what is your art about? What is your craft about? What's alive for you here and now on June 16th, 2020? Because that's very different from, like, June 16th of 2019. Very
1: different, very different. So yeah, I am Nastasia Mento, And to recap my bio is I am from South Georgia, but I live in PDX, Portland, Oregon. And how I grew up around, as you read, the drugs and alcohol and the violence that really shaped who I am. And I'll say it shaped me because there was a point when I was, when I felt like I was heading in that direction.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then there was a point where I like witnessed a gang fight, and I remember saying, like I won't live to see 25. Mm-hmm. So when I made it to 25, I was like, oh my gosh, if I make it to 26, 27, 28. So it was just like every year, it was kind of like, if I make it. Mm-hmm. So that really shaped me, and I wanted to go into psychology because I was so I was just when I was angry. So I was just like, I want to know why everyone in my family is on drugs. What is this whole what is this cycle about? And how do I break cycles? Because I keep reading in the Bible that I can break these cycles. But how do I do it when I'm not seeing anyone else do it? Mm -hmm. And so then I was I was intrigued. And so that landed me with going to college because I originally wanted to go to school to be a doctor. That was my big thing. I was like, I don't know anyone that's a doctor. No one in my community that was a doctor. I didn't know anyone in my community that um, had went to college, like Mm -hmm. a four year college and graduated. So I pursued that. And I was like, by any means I'm going to finish and I'm going to go to school. And so I went to school, got a degree in psych and then started working with kids and adults with disabilities And I started working in um, boarding schools and then I started doing camp. So I work with a lot of kids. I really love kids and I really love inspiring and encouraging them as much as I love adults too. But, you know, I think just giving kids that uh, of what they need and sometimes they can change their parents is so beautiful. So I did that and then I went back to school, got the degree in occupational therapy assistant. I moved out here to Portland, which leads me up to today's world. And I got to say that um, what you said earlier about just so many things happening and it being very, you didn't use the word chaotic or chaos, but I'm going to use it. It just feels very chaotic and very shifty. But in the midst of that, I did an oracle read and I did tarot and both of my reads were saying to let it go, there's going to be sacrifice and we're going to evolve. both of them. three cards, both of them. And my animal medicine was the links, which, you know, is the carrier of secrets and housing things and listening. So being very present. So when you're talking about meditating, I was like, yeah, just sitting it down this morning and being very present in myself and not being overwhelmed by the shift that's going on, the energy that's happening because it is real. And that's what we talked about on our zoom is the energy and the wave of it and how people are having dreams that they never thought they would have and people are hearing stuff or they're on the same wavelength as their friends and they feel crazy as Mm -hmm. they and i'm like oh that's definitely normal (laughs) for me but yeah so um that's where i'm at today and trying to not just stay positive because it's not about just staying positive but really keeping my energy and my vibration up because i've felt how it ebbs and flow when it dips really deep, low. It's just kind of like anxiety and worry and fear. And if I step out of the house, something's going to happen. And the reality of it is is that, yes, something may happen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but also something may not happen. Mm-hmm. So that's where I've been at. And thank you so much for checking out my poetry on YouTube and mm-hmm. seeing who I am. And I'm glad your transition went smoothly.
0: hmm Thank you. It was cool to see like the real kind of like polished, there were some polished videos there, which was cool, you know, because for me, like the way that I've really been introduced to your work has been true ritual, you know, us doing ritual on our pilgrimage in Egypt, you sharing this poetry when it came, came literally out of your bones, right? You just felt inspired to share. At least that's what I observed. Of course, that is what I prefer over the polished version, but it was also nice to see that you have that polished work out there. And so I'll definitely make sure in the notes from this episode that there are some links to your work so that people can explore it. And what what I feel you really carry is a true authenticity and to me that is what these times are about is about being authentic you know what is real for us now and and yeah like on some level yeah it's about staying positive but it's also about some of the things you were speaking about and when you were talking about like the oracle cards I got chills on my knees and my thighs because (sighs) There is, there is going to be sacrifice for sure. There's more to come as far as the truths have just begun to be revealed. And, you know, the wool is just being pulled off of so many eyes, particularly in the United States, but we could say globally as well. And for, you know, a woman who is considered black. Black woman. Yeah. So like, you know these things. <laughs> you know it's none, none of this is new for you. <laughs> it's not new, you know. But for for people of privilege, some of them it's totally new. And I think what's so unique about the times that we're in right now is that we're seeing everyone kind of starting to be brought onto the same playing field more and more. I mean, we're not there yet, <laughs> but I think especially with the coronavirus, right? Like. The whole world being locked inside. I mean, that was significant energetically. Like, talk about like really putting people more so on an equal playing field. As we're dismantling these systems of oppression, it's going to take a lot of work, and it is going to take um, an ability to trust. And I think through what I've experienced, through the way that you share your art, your craft, your creativity is I feel when you share through your words, the medicine that's coming from your bones is that you have that ability of deep, deep trust in the creator. And um, I really admire that about you and how that comes through your channel.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I have a question, but I want to say this as as we're talking about it. And I agree with you that the um, the shift and the depth of what's coming forth is just very powerful. And I think I've just read a few of your uh, news newsletters, newsletters, yes, that you send out. the And just talking about this shift and where we're going and feeling it energetic. And I agree with you is that there there's going to be a lot more stuff going on. And that's what I was saying in a video the other day is that at this point, we cannot grow weary. We cannot be tired. And as much as I know, I want to say like, yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm still like, I'm exhausted, but things still have to get done. And Mm -hmm. we're on this thing of like, now we're protesting. And I think they're 19 or 20 days in of protesting. And I'm like, okay, so we're here is shifting and we're moving but we also need to be like looking in. Mm -hmm. And I've said that to a lot of my friends who are um, Black and African Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just like, what are we doing to look within ourselves? Because we, if white people are learning all the things they need to learn and unlearning, then we ourselves need to be learning and unlearning as well because it's with the trust. So that's the word that triggered what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. is that how can we even trust if a person has changed, Mm -hmm. if we're still like holding on to the biases or the prejudice that they've already displayed. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna take a lot of changing and moving. And that's what Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about is how are we gonna do this unlearning? So I keep going back to my poem of, I'm continuously learning and unlearning the paths and ways of this journey. And that's what I feel is that we're gonna mess up. All of us are gonna mess up. Mm -hmm. That's what learning is and learning is uncomfortable and with that uncomfortableness is like we're growing and so that's what i was thinking when you said that but this question i have before i lose it because it just keeps popping back up is something that we talked about in egypt and because i don't know a lot about you and you said it in the beginning about you were planning on having another child and so you kept all of this stuff and so the first question is how was it one being the only child? And I know that mm-hmm. at an early, early stage of your life, like you welcomed in your, your guys and your mentors. How was that? Like, how did your family, your mother, <laughs> your mother raise? I guess, how did she hone that or if she did or if she didn't? Mm-hmm. And so I guess you could tell me a little bit about that and how you got to the point of saying, I have a child and I might want to have another one. So you, and then the story.
0: That, there's so much there. <laughs> um, I will gladly answer that. I want to say first, I got so many chills when you were talking about like the work that Black people also have to do around the unlearning. And I think that that's so beautiful. Uh, although I can't, you know, classify myself as, as Black, I have experienced trauma In my family of origin by being oppressed by certain family members. And what I've learned in my own experience of familial oppression and trauma and abuse is that we get to a point where, you know, we get really angry at the oppressor, right? We get really, and rightfully so, like you need to get angry, And as we do our own healing work and our own empowerment, as I found myself doing my own healing work and personal empowerment, I was able to get to a place of feeling deep compassion for those who really harmed me and realizing that actually the the person who harmed me the most actually taught me the most and became one of my greatest mentors. And that pain actually propelled me to um, go to the kind of college that I went to to apply for grants and scholarships and to really keep pushing myself edge after edge after edge, and and so in turn, if I hadn't actually had that oppression, um, my life might have been a lot more simple, you know. And so it's interesting. I think. Where where we are in this age of Aquarius, we're all becoming so much more subtle. We're becoming much more intuitive, much more psychic. And I think it's important to honor ethnicity and race and and lineage and cultures and where we all come from. And I think it's important to hold true to those roots. And also, as time goes on, certain traditions will shift and change. And one of the things I think we're really stepping into this age of Aquarius is we're beginning to really unpack racism and classism and sexism and all of these different systems of oppression that we've been living under for eons, like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Like in my own personal studies, I could trace (laughs) it all the way back to the Neolithic age when humans started building fences and building armies. And as we're going into this age of Aquarius, it's really like we're becoming a human race, you know, and in that it, it doesn't negate the beauty and the spectrum that everyone represents, you know, the, the myriad different cultures and colors that we bring to that tapestry of life we are here alive in this time and it's it's intense and it's scary because there's a lot of change and there's going to be a lot more that's going to dissolve and fall down and there are going to be more people who unfortunately will most likely be hurt you know and, and yet we, we are here to witness this transition. I always like to think of those of us who are alive, particularly those of us who are younger, like I would say like 50 and under, we're like part of this transition team, I think, that really came here to witness kind of this turning of the guard mm-hmm. as we go deeper into the age of Aquarius. My mom did raise me. My, my father was also a present part of my life. He suffered, he was in the Gulf War in 1990 and suffered um, pretty intense injury, which I just learned the details of, the full details of this past weekend. That's part of what I've been doing. This past weekend is major familial healing, like major lineage healing, like things that I've been praying about since I was 15 have come to fruition before my very eyes. I've been holding these prayers for like 25 years. So it's been pretty immense what what I've been witnessing. I mean, I keep saying to myself, wow, this is one powerful eclipse portal. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't even know what is reality anymore, you know, because here I am, I'm seeing this major healing within my family of origin And then in Asheville, we were under, you know, a state of emergency and the military was downtown with assault rifles. And so back to like growing up as as an only child, something that I'll never forget about our conversation when we were sitting before the pyramids and we were having that dinner the night before we went for our private Opening at the Great Pyramid, the way that I felt like you really tapped into me and saw me, it felt so sacred. It felt like you really witnessed me back when I was four. Something I speak about in my work is like timelines and the way that, particularly in 2020, but also I would say 2019 and 2018, we started to see this collapse of timelines when i was back in egypt in february of 2020 I, and um, before the i don't know if you remember when we went to thoth to tahuti's temple so i was on the dahabia and i was like okay i was asking him for a sign about something and when when i got to his temple he was like the timelines are all collapsing. Like it's all happening. You just have to be patient right now. And then I literally like two weeks later come home and the whole world is just starting to shut down because of COVID. That was pretty powerful. And wow. so going back to this four-year-old self of mine, I don't like to speak about it a lot because I think that especially people who do spiritual work, it's, and who believe in past lives and all these different layers. I think sometimes there can be this kind of like over glorification of who we are and what our abilities are and, you know, this and that. And I really believe in, in staying humble as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I knew at that young age, I knew that I really had a specific mission on this earth for this lifetime, and that I could see myself from that four-year-old place just sitting there in my bedroom floor. I was playing, I think I was playing with Care Bears, and I lived in Georgia, Warner Robins, where there was an Air Force base because my father was in the military, so we moved every three years as I was growing up. It's interesting because one of the things I remember the most about that house was we had these beautiful rose bushes in the backyard. And the backyard had this rolling hill that went down to like the stream. And then it was just thick woods. And then my neighbor's house kind of butted up against the woods. And he was young and he was my age. And him and I would play and then we would go off and explore in the woods and there was a swamp kind of nearby that we would like walk to and it was it felt like a very free time and at that time I I got to witness Haley's comment when I lived in Warner Robins Georgia and I remember when I saw Haley's comment I was like wow the next time I'll have this opportunity I'm going to be in like my 70s or 80s and that's if I'm still alive and that felt really sacred and special. Yeah, there was just like a, a knowingness of of a purpose that I had something particular to contribute to earth in this lifetime and that I could do it. Like I knew in my bones, even though the people, the adults around me, they were so loving, but they were all asleep at the wheel. They, they loved me but they were all in their different addictions and their different you know realities. I knew I could accomplish the mission. Then later on, what really kind of reset, I mean, for me, I don't feel like I ever really went away from spirit and from the other world. Parts of me kind of shut down at different times, but there was always a deep connection. I know for some people, like they actually have like a true kind of cutoff. And that didn't really happen for me. A a big turning point in my life was around 1989, my mom's brother was diagnosed with AIDS. And when he was diagnosed with AIDS, and and he was a gay man, um, at that point, you know, AIDS was only seen as like a gay man's disease. And there was so much stigmatism around that. And this was in 89, and, and there wasn't much acceptance around homosexuality. Learned a lot really quick about all of these things. <laughs> and that at that point we lived in Germany, but we soon moved to a suburb of Tampa, Florida. And I knew that that maybe I shouldn't tell everyone that my uncle was dying of AIDS, that they might not even want to touch me, you know, that they might think, even though he lived in Texas far away, you know, like I just knew these things. When he died he began to visit us through the spirit realm, through the ancestral realm. And he would do things that it was really clear, like he'd play little jokes on us. And it was really clear he was around us. And so for me, that was like a major gateway was opened. I really felt like his death ultimately was a gift for my own spiritual journey, for my mother's spiritual journey, and also my grandmother's, because it really affected it affected a lot of my mother lineage but particularly the three of us very deeply because my grandmother moved in with us for about a year that was that was her baby who had died you know very young and she was a nurse and so she took care of him until he transitioned when he crossed over so many things just opened on a whole other level. And, and then it just continued to open deeper and deeper in so many different ways.
1: Thank you for just sharing that story. Um, just, I don't know, as you were talking, I could see details or maybe just pictures flashing in my head, but I remember being at that dinner and having, trying to have that conversation. And I think you remember, I started crying cause I'm like,
0: mm.
1: oh my gosh, I know she's not going to think I'm crazy. Like, all these intense visions and stuff that I keep having, like what is, you know, what is going on? I came from a place where I was just having dreams Mm -hmm. and writing them down. And I knew that when I went to Egypt, that was the one thing I said is that um, I didn't want to be afraid. And on the first night, like Yonah and I, we were on in the same um, seats on the flight and we just talked the whole entire way. But our first night there, having a vision and then talking to Yona, she was just like, what are you afraid of? Mm. I don't know if I'm ready for everything that keeps coming up. And that's what I kept saying. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And so that night when we did that meditation and we just, you know, we went deep into it and I saw all of these women and it was at different stages and um, ages of life. And I remember when I saw you and I, like I told you, I was just like, And I I see this young child, and I just want to know, like, what age were you? But I also, like, I don't know if to say spirit, but I saw, I saw, I'm gonna just leave it at that. I saw energy and stuff around you. And that's why, like, when you answered your mother, you were just like, but I'm playing. And the word play and playtime has been really big in my writing nowadays because I'm asking the question of many people when do you think that? playtime ended for you mm-hmm. or had it when have you had that chance especially with everything going on now in your life um mm-hmm. and with the world when have we had that chance to just be in those moments of playing whether it's mm-hmm. playing in the weather whatever it is and so you saying that i'm like yeah that that answers the question um and thinking about my own life but I'm really curious about that too. Of everything that you've had going on, of of playing and play time, and what does what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you and your daughter? And how is she incorporating? Because like I know her energy is powerful, and she's such a beautiful human that I haven't met yet, but I know she is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to hear about that.
0: Yeah, that's that's such a great point because play is so sacred, and there's a way we can really connect play to pray, you know, like praying, like, I really think that when we want to connect with the divine, when we do it from that place of joy, of purity, of playing, we're actually more in alignment with the frequency than when we're like real serious and uptight. And you know, like, Solemn, one thing I want to add in about that night when we were in the Great Pyramid, what you tapped into was like this golden thread that got woven for me personally in my own journey. I don't know if you remember, like I played the gong in the King's Chamber. And then when that was complete, I laid down with you all and because I was holding the the anchor point, I didn't really go out deep, but you know, I, I was still able to receive some real powerful transmissions through the channels of energy that wanted to speak to me that night. And then when I laid in the sarcophagus, I got a whole other wave of energy, and it was so connected to the exact like Messages I was receiving as that four-year-old child sitting on my bedroom floor playing, like it was like you were kind of like the needle that was threading it through for me on that night, and I just have such a an um, deep amount of gratitude to you for being you know real and brave enough to ask me that question because I think sometimes you know we get these insights. And we're afraid of um, really being intimate with people and really going deep. You know, we're, we live in a culture that is so much about being really surface with one another. And that's been something that's always been challenging for me. I, I In college, I never really knew how to do the bullshit, like... Socialization. <laughs> I was like, can we just go deep or not go anywhere at all? <laughs> like, that's Back all I want to do. <laughs> so, with my daughter, we're starting to really enjoy doing the same things. She's very creative. So, we've always enjoyed like painting and drawing together. Um, we love to play games. We play backgammon and um, dominoes and There's this, like, find your family game where, like, there's a fairy family and there's a troubadour family and a knight family. And it's very kind of magical based. One thing I've been really committed to is weaving her into ceremony. And although that has an element of honoring to it, you know, I also feel like that there is an element of play in that as I was speaking to you. Now that she's getting older, like I have a commitment to bring her on pilgrimage as much as I'm able to. So pre-COVID, I was planning on, um, returning to Glastonbury in Southern France this August. And she was going to come and it was a pilgrimage that was open to, uh, those who identify as women of all ages. I really saw it as an intergenerational, um, pilgrimage dedicated to healing the mother line really find for us, like interacting with nature is, is a big part of our play. What we've been geeking out on a lot in COVID has been um, reading Harry Potter book four, and we're reading book five right now. And that's felt real important to me um, because I think that what JK Rowling does, particularly as the books get, um, have you read Harry Potter?
1: Uh, To be honest, I haven't. Okay. And that's, I think, you know, the story of my grandparents both being ministers. And so they were like, you can't have that witchcraft stuff in house. Yeah. (laughs) And then even as an adult, I was like, should I, but I haven't. So I'm listening.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I'm a witch, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) My first time finding this out. Really? No.
0: Okay. I'm like, you didn't, you didn't pick up on that, (laughs) on our pilgrimage.
1: (laughs) Oh, so many things. So many things.
0: Yeah. That's not so much why I think it's important. There's something about this battle between consciousness and systems of oppression that happen within Harry Potter. It's this battle of, like, we could say the light versus the dark, or, you know, the yin versus the yang, like, the hero's journey. The characters are really well developed in a sense that you can see that no one is perfect, right? That, like, the people who you're really calling for, to stay conscious, to stay true, like they struggle and they go through struggles. And so for my, for my daughter, I feel like there's some breadth to the characters. And given the times that we live in right now with like COVID and all of these Systems that are getting dismantled. It's it's a chaotic time. Yeah, like you said, it's chaotic, and I feel like this is a way for her to help kind of organize what's happening in our actual real time reality through story. So I'm using story as medicine.
1: I like that. I really like that. And I think, um, speaking of story, I think story and storytelling is so healing. And so I was thinking about. Going back to a few things you said earlier about um, the familiar line and tracing that. And I was thinking how I had like a 23andMe done because Mm. I was just, I don't know if the guy who I've called father for so long is my father or Mm -hmm. the aunt who wants him to, you know, she wants to be my auntie. And so I had the 23andMe done and I, I was so open to it because I talked to my mom two years ago about this. So when it came back and it wasn't a match, I was just like, "Oh, okay. So like, where do we go from here? And what is my story now? And how does that change my narrative and where I'm going and where I've been?" And so um, I reached out to the other woman, asked her if she would be okay with taking a test, and she was like, "Totally, I will be." Um, But I bring all of all of that up because this woman has so many stories. Mm-hmm. Stories of the family, stories of their family, stories of their lineage and things that they have, properties that they have. Um, and, you know, as a black woman, it's just something I had never seen or never known about, mm-hmm. especially in my close circle of families. Like none of my family that I know have any property, you know, they don't have their own homes, mm-hmm. they don't have a story that they can say that I gave this to my great, great grandchild. And so I was thinking about that the storyline and developing characters and how my grandmother hated talking about things that they had been through. Yeah. She just was like, it was really tough. Don't really want to talk about it. We're alive mm-hmm. now. Let's keep going. And I will always push the issue and just say, well, but we need to know like where <laughs> where we've been so we can know where we're going and mm-hmm. like how to and the energy and stuff that we need for that. And it was such a thing of her saying like, nope, don't want to talk about it. So now as a 29 year old, that's what I've been thinking about is that I don't know anything about her story. And so I'm just kind of like creating a story of what, not what I want her to be, but where my life is gonna go now and what it looks like pulling from those different sources and the lineage. Cause I can tell you she is definitely strong, present strong. She is here. And I really love that about her is that you were talking about as a child and just coming into that with her, I feel like it took me so long to come into because I was just like, you know, I'm going to be a Christian and this is not bashing any Christian. So let me say that first. But for me, I was very extreme. And that's what I knew about myself is that if I go in and do something, I do it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I think you know that that's what you yeah, said. You're just totally. like, like, and so I was really extreme. And I, although I feel like I was compassionate, I wasn't as compassionate as I am now. I can definitely say that, but it was through that letting go of that narrative. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And this was me. I said, okay, God, I am here. But I can't believe that what this book is saying is just like absolutely truth and I need to hold it and I need to follow it, but I'm here. So I just need like peace and freedom of my mind. And I remember that day, just 25, and I felt like just empty. Like, oh, okay, now you have room to be open. Now you have room to receive stuff. And I I think about my story and how that's how I've carried my life since then was I have room to be open, Mm -hmm. room to write this story. I have room to play and to release and to let go and to pray because that was a too of just when you said it was just like we go into prayer we're so serious and it's like no like I when I was meditating yesterday and I was just meditating inwards and it was so powerful how usually I go out and I just out pass in the galaxies where it was just pure light and quietness.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: was like the most peaceful thing. And that's usually how it is for me. And I'm reflecting and I'm gaining. But yesterday it was like roots that just covered the earth. Like I could feel it pulsating and pulling from my body. And it was just like, no, we're, we're staying right here. And mm-hmm. we need to cover this. It's like, we're going down so we can build some foundation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? Like, we usually go up and we go out and we go far, but now we're staying here and we're surrounding this thing, the story. That's what I, I keep hearing, like, the story, the story that we're telling, the story that we're going to tell, and the lineage that's pulling forth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. So, gosh, story, story is everything. And when we think about these, like, the systems of oppression that have been holding humanity down at large, right? Like certain Mm -hmm. parts of humanity more than others, but everyone has been affected by this. And it has been the stories that have been stripped away. You know, if people have their stories, they have power, they are empowered and Even for those, like, you know, there's parts of your lineage where you may not know the stories. And I think for so many of us, that's true. I mean, for so many of us, we don't know every part of our lineage, how far it goes back. Right. I definitely relate to that. Like, my grandmother never knew who her father was. His name was John Smith. I mean, he could have been anyone. You know, it's like one of the most generic American names you could have. So when you have segments of your lineage that have been erased, I love how you're speaking about like, it's like almost like an open palette. Like you can create the stories, you can fill in those spaces. And I think that that is... Something that's being asked of us is is to really go deep, to to anchor our roots and to connect to our ancestors in whatever ways we're able to. And even if it is through journeying and writing and journaling and creating these stories, that alone is potent. You know, that is a, a form of empowerment. You, you spoke to this going inward and I think that that's a really important part of the work of these times is that in all ways we need to be doing our work in the outer world and there's so many different ways that can look, you know, like depending on our specialties, whether it's around food or education or art, we all have something yes. to offer to the table. And we can't do it all, right? We have to pick where our strengths are and where we just have so much energy to, to do it. And it feels good. It feels vital and it feels fresh. And also we have to be doing this deep inner work. It, it, is a, it is a non-negotiable in these times. And it's something I share with the people that I work with regularly is I've been telling them for years, you've got to have a daily practice now what that daily practice looks like you get to determine and I'm like you know I I am a teacher that has a lot of different tools that I'm happy to share with you but your daily practice can look a million different ways but we each one of us needs to be anchored in that to be doing our inner work because what is really going to get us through these times is our connection with the earth our connection with the ancestors our connection with the nature spirits with the stars and this requires unlearning (laughs) it requires (laughs) all of the unlearning that we were taught in the you know in the school systems where we were taught to memorize all of these ridiculous facts that are just one person's version of a history that's not even what actually happened on this american soil so Again, I feel like we're so blessed to be alive in these times as challenging as they are. These are the times where like you really like to be able to have your hands in the pot. I mean, that's a gift.
1: It's a gift. And something powerful. And just thinking about, I don't know if this was happening to you and to others, but like in the beginning, when all of this started, You know, I already have dreams, but I was having so many dreams. I'm just getting chills talking about it now because I was having so many dreams and so many intense dreams. And I remember talking to my therapist because there were just so many times where I couldn't sleep. And I told her at least seven of those dreams, I was like seven of those dreams. I wasn't just in slavery I was a slave. Like, I felt everything about it. I felt the sweat. I felt the running. But I also felt like in the story that it was more to the story. It was never like, this is it. You've settled for this or whatever. It was just like, no, we've been fighting this. We've been fighting way before this. And it's like what you said as humans, mm-hmm. we have been fighting for a system that is just like, we're going to control you in some way, we're mm-hmm. going to make what you are doing what we want you to be doing but we're also gonna make sure and maybe this is just my brain going out where it goes at but I do feel like on a level it's like we're gonna make sure you're not tapped in that you don't know how how powerful you are Absolutely. and we're like well that's just a theory and I'm like no I I feel this strongly that if we connect and we are tapped in it's like you said if we use the practices whatever our practices we tap into that like, how powerful mm-hmm. will be because then it's like when you see power in yourself, when you, as I wrote yesterday is that when you are empowered then you can empower others. And when you feel like you have power, you give power to others. Mm-hmm. So important of like he who write the pages, control the ages. So let's change the mm-hmm. story, let's change the narrative and it's not like forgetting, but it's just like okay. Let's do something different, and we're going to have to. And I know you feel it, but we are people are just like, well, we don't know. We want to go back to normal, and it's like there is there's no, no normal. You you have to do something different. You have to do something more. I had a lot of thoughts just in, but what you said made me think about it because I was like, yeah, yeah, the dreams, everything that has been happening, and everything that is just moving and shifting in our, our lineage and helping each other and unlearning Mm -hmm. things. I said this on my Instagram two days ago, it's just that as people of color, we, and I talked about it earlier too, that we, we have to unlearn and the unlearning is not for anyone else, but ourselves, Mm -hmm. because that's also the thing of, are we going to live in fear? It's just these questions that no no one is really asking because it's just like, well, this is a time, maybe we should wait. And I'm like, no, as a people, as humans, we really have to think about this. Yeah. Where, where are we going from here? And how do we want to raise that? And you and I both know that, of course, everyone is not on a wavelength or everyone is, I want, you know, we're all different on this, but where are we going from here? And we have to address like those things of, unlearning and relearning.
0: Absolutely. And, and then, you know, for, for white people, it's like the unlearning around privilege, you know, and what it means to be, to have white bodied privilege and creating awareness around that. Because a, a lot of white people have no awareness that they have privilege. They just they don't realize that the systems were designed for them, and and that's why it's like we can't go back to what was quote normal because what was quote normal was not working, and it was harmful. It was harmful for so many people. It, it was a system designed to keep people in tears and keep them oppressed, and that is part of what is breaking up under the roots of the cement through the trees, you know, they're waking up and they're stirring. And that makes me wonder if I too have been having so many powerful dreams since really, since I returned from Egypt, which was on February 28th of 2020. I wonder for you, if those dreams you were having were like past life memories or if they were you know, your ancestors, like if there was clearing happening, you know, in the lineage.
1: I wrote them down because I had the same question. Mm -hmm. I really did because in most of them, they felt so much like my body was there and I I would wake up in sweats and chills. And I was just like, I was watching myself do certain things. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like that. But then I also Think about my grandmother, my great grand great grandmother who was born in 1919, and then her mother or her kids, and what that was like, in that and just that fight of so is this me
0: mm-hmm. or
1: is this us? And I do really for me, I feel like this is an us thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: where I told my grandmother the other day, and I just had this whole like crying session because you know, when you are grateful and thankful for what someone been through and now you're here. And that's what I said to her. I was like, everything in my might, I am going to write and I'm going to read because those are the two things she didn't know how to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I feel like a lot of that pool and lineages is a lot of people didn't know how to write or read in my family.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so
1: when I, I tell people now in my family, I'm like, you know, I educate myself I read books that people are like why are you reading that book it's crazy and I'm like it's just good to know Mm -hmm. it's not like everything you read you have to believe it (laughs) I I don't and I never understand how people like well I don't I don't want my belief to be swayed or it goes against what I believe and I'm like you don't have to believe everything you read that's why you have your discernment Mm -hmm. you read it and you try it you see like well what is this or it's not sitting well with me I'm not going to take that and so a lot of my dreams have been like that of this feels so much like me, but this also feels like us. And I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to have these dreams and wake up in sweats and fight the fight. I am willing to do that. And that's what I was telling my grandmother as we were talking. in spirit realm, I was just like, I'm willing to do this.
0: Mm.
1: And I know it's not going to be, I know it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Because this is a lot of, um, just trauma, and and that's what she was showing me, and I was like, "Well, I don't know about that."
0: <laughs> Just a lot of
1: trauma, and I'm like, "How do you even address that?" Yeah, we address that, and that's what I was talking to my organizers yesterday. If we're going to work with Black and Brown children, how do you even address the trauma first? Because mm-hmm. we can say that we're going to do arts and crafts and all of this, but some of these mm-hmm. like what do you mean we can do arts and crafts? Like, can we talk about what's going on and how do we deal with that? And going into that, like you said, having those deep conversations and moving right to it, like let's not sugarcoat or any of that. And so that's what my dreams, a lot of them have been saying to me. It's just like, all right, it's coming. And it's already here, most of it, but it is really coming. And so today I heard, to write swiftly and truly mm. yeah and i was like okay
0: <laughs> what do you know your grandmother's names all of the grandmothers you spoke to you
1: i don't and that was that was an interesting thing because i i know my grandmother eloise mm-hmm. probably felt her presence because you're like your grandma is she's strong with you and I'm like yeah she is (laughs) grandma Eloise and then my grandma um Cora Mm -hmm. those are the two that I know but then it's just like there's this like great 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 she's so far back but then she's also like this very feist fierce woman who has um this native native indigenous blood so I can I can see her and I'm like I don't know I said I don't know you that's what I said I was like I don't know you she's oh you yeah she's like like, I know you well (laughs) this is just like okay and but she was standing with my grandmother and they were just standing with me Uh and I remember just kept getting chills and I'm like I'm not even cold what is this like um but that just hearing them and then like we are we are here with you. Mm-hmm. We are here with you. And so all of those dreams, at one point, I will be honest to say that I just told my therapist, I was like, can you just prescribe me something to sleep? And I, <laughs> she was like, no,
0: um, <laughs> because she's, sure.
1: yeah, she's <laughs> like, she studied Carl Jung and all that stuff. And oh, I
0: love she, it. Yeah. yeah. So we talked a true. lot about
1: our, a lot, a lot. But, yeah, I can say that um, I I do. I dig really deep into the dreams and see, like, is this talking about me, us, or who? And I told myself that if I had dreams about people, I wasn't going to message them. I wasn't going to reach out to them. <laughs> I was just going to put the dreams and see what it was talking about. Um, so that's, that's also what I've been doing. And the most recent one that I had... It was just like I was in this, um, I don't want to say neighborhood, but it was like I was out fishing. And I actually really like fishing. And so I was out fishing, but I was the only black person there. And I caught just one little fish and I had it on the hook and I was going to bag it. And the guy made a comment of saying like that I didn't have a right to be there. Mm. Family, this um, it was a white guy, his wife, mm. two older boys and a daughter. Like I saw it all. Mm-hmm. And it's just like saying she has a right to be here. She can fish, she can do whatever. So all of this was happening. But what stuck out to me was that I had the fish on a hook and I was trying to unhook it. But while unhooking it, it just kind of like took some of his insides out. And I was like, well, that's strange because usually you hook in the gills and you don't even touch that part. And then I yelled to them. I said, all I'm trying to do is help people. All I'm trying to do is like feed people with this fish that I have. And I was mm-hmm. just like yelling that like I have this fish and I'm just trying to help people. Mm-hmm. I, I remember like waking up crying
0: mm-hmm.
1: because this guy it was it felt so political yeah. in it. Very political and I remember saying like why was he trying to tell me that I need to vote red? Like what was that about? Because all yeah. I was was fish. Um, That was the latest one that I had. And I just remember thinking like, okay, this, this is all of us. This is really all of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's all, it's all of us in all the ways. Like, Mm -hmm. I think about that a lot. And it's something I write, I tend to circle around a lot in my my newsletter my venetian love notes is this whole concept of from me to we and that's a huge part of this aquarian age that we're shifting into and i think that when each one of us dives into our lineage it is us we're not separate you know we're not separate from the people of our lineage even the ones that maybe we don't like and we think we're so different from There are patterns, there are codes of information that we share. And then as we expand out wider and wider, we're all in this human family together. And most likely, possibly, there will come a time where perhaps as humans, we're interacting with other life forms from other places. And we're going to realize how much of a human race we actually are. (laughs) and how we're actually not that different from one another compared to some of those other beings out there in the galaxy, you know? And so then things are going to get really real (laughs) because we're going to be like, okay, like some pigment in the skin, not so different from like other like ways of showing up physical, in, you know, physicality, honoring your grandmothers. and. All of the people throughout history who have been withheld from the ability to read and write, you know, systematically withheld because of what race or culture they are. Or, you know, when we think of the Native Americans, when they were forced to. Read and write English, but they couldn't speak their native tongues and they had to take on Christian names and they had to all look alike and they couldn't, you know, when the children were kidnapped from yeah. their families. I mean, it, it's this, the way education has been utilized, particularly in American culture, has been very systematic in stripping people's identities and their cultures, which is why for so many, they don't know their lineage and the stories of their people and that's one thing I've really appreciated in my work in studying with Elder Maladoma is that he just has this strong remembrance to wake people up that every single person has indigenous blood in their lineage somewhere you know and it's like we all have that ability to go back to those roots And we have to believe in it, right? Like it goes back to that empowerment piece. These systems have been set up to make us think that we're small and we're so much bigger than we realize. You know, we have so many more abilities. If just 10% of the human population really believed that and tapped into that, I think our world would shift rapidly truly rapidly i think the solutions you know even what you're talking about like working with these children the solutions and the resources would come so much faster
1: i'm reading anthony broaders he has the broaders found but it's really it's really empowering for people of color and because it's talking about history Mm -hmm. and like and I love it because it's ancient Egyptian history. So that's his focus. of just like, let's take it back, 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 back. Yeah. And so um, he tells about like storytelling too. And if you only know the story of your ancestors were slaves and then they weren't slaves and then they were still going through that, then that story is something that's going to mm-hmm. keep you like your mindset mm-hmm. rest, and everything about you. But if you know the history before that, and I love that he he brings up this whole thing where everyone is like, well, we were Kings and Queens and all this. And he was like, you know, let's be realistic. We were farmers, we were artists, we were lawyers. It's just like, we, it's a broad, very diverse thing. And people who made the structure were very, also very brilliant and broad and all this. So I like that he brings it back to reality. I feel like that's more of a reality Mm -hmm. than saying like we were all Kings and Queens because I don't, I personally don't believe that. I believe that we all had our, um, especially our ancestors had their different ways in the community that they brought Mm
0: -hmm. their
1: energy and they brought their work to it. And so he's really encouraging people to look at those labels. And one of the things he talked about is the label of black and like, where did it come from and who started that? And why is it still here? Why are you? taking tests and on the test you have to label if you're okay. black, white, native, you know, it's just like, what are we doing? And people can say, well, we need to have, um, statistics and we need to have data and stuff. And he's just like, Hmm, but isn't there a different way
0: that mm-hmm. this can happen?
1: And, you know, we, and why are we basing it off? Like even school stats, when kids take tests, they're just like, they're comparing it mm-hmm. that, this percent of the kids in this population made this compared to that. So we're going to fund this school. Mm -hmm. I really like that. He goes in and he talks about wording and he talks about labels. And I feel like, especially right now, just labels and people, I don't, I wouldn't say they get mad at me, but they're just like, they want me to choose when I've said, you know, I'm queer. And they're like, no, you're obviously a lesbian, like a hardcore butch lesbian. And I'm like, (laughs) Really not, and you can ask my girlfriend; she'll tell you. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm really just like, I'm queer, and but that where it's just like, mm-hmm. no, you have to be this because I can identify you as such, or you have to be a white woman because that's how I see you, and it's like that's not the case. My girlfriend is Mexican, and she is as white as you are, mm-hmm. but she was born raised in Mexico and then came to the states, and so the whole labeling part, um, I definitely agree with you. Of Just like dismantling this just so many systems, so many systems,
0: so many systems. And they were, they were systematically put into place so that they, they could, it's like a maze, you know, and, and that's why they haven't been dismantled, but fortunately now we have the astrology to use as like a fulcrum to assist us in dismantling them in a way that, you know, in the 1950s and the 1960s and the 70s, when, when people were really waking up on a certain to a new certain level of consciousness, they weren't able to really push it forward all the way um, because they didn't have that fulcrum. I, I love what you said too. I mean, I do think, I, I like to use the terminology of, of Kings and Queens just for, for people who are alive today, contemporary day people. Cause I think, I think a lot of people are super depressed on the planet and they don't have um, self-confidence and they don't really believe in their gifts and their power. And, and, abilities and their creative genius. And I think as you elevate people more and more and you think of this concept of like, well, actually you're a king or actually you're a queen. And when someone can sit with that enough, like, of course, at first they're like, I'm not, you know, but then eventually they might be like, huh, maybe I could be, you know, and when you go through these different layers and then you really start to think of yourself as like treating yourself like royalty, if people can show up with that amount of self-care and self-worth, that also, you know, that's part of that inner work to to change the planet. And what you're talking about, like the sense of reality, like being lawyers and doctors and artisans and just being sophisticated, intelligent people, <laughs> which Black yeah. people are and have been. Actually, if we go back to the beginning of time, I mean we can see culture comes from the motherland. All culture has come from the motherland. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I like how you said that of just giving that that to people so that they can be up, uh, you know, uplifted and built. Because I do believe in that too. And I think we've maybe you and I or someone has had that conversation about Really sitting with the person with where they are, mm-hmm. and then speaking to them with that language, so you can be like, "No, actually, you are. You are a queen," and just a um, repetition of it and encouraging and empowering until one day we can all look into the mirror and say, "Yes, I am that." Now, let me show you a little bit more of who I am, <laughs> um, and it, it's just such like it's a it's a beautiful thing. But yeah, I do believe in that that format too, because it takes a lot. To really believe in ourselves and our our inner selves and everything we have to offer to this world, when we have always been um, shaped to say mm-hmm. to be workers of this world mm-hmm. instead of being in unity with the world. Mm-hmm. And so, when you start cracking eggshells of saying like, "Hey, no, wait, this is this is who we are," and you're gonna be so stand out because we're shaped to do a certain thing, but you're not going into that shape. And so I think I think that is beautiful. I think it is.
0: I'm, I'm curious, Nastasia, from our pilgrimage in September. So it has been, what, like nine months? And given where we are now here, you know, June 2020, what, if anything, has assisted you from being on that land of Kemet, from having that journey to be where you are here and now?
1: One, I'll start with the sisterhood. And I say that because like, I think my brain at one point, I knew that it was going to be all white women, but being (laughs) in this space where everything was already going on, I was like, oh man, I hope this is not going to be tough. And you know, it wasn't and being and what I learned is just that that unlearning again, having to unlearn and really learning to trust someone because I didn't know anyone except Shelly. And so learning to trust people and trust that I could be authentically who I was mm-hmm. while I was there. And so that that's number one of that bonding of sisterhood and creating friendships. Um, Number two, I felt like I've never felt home and then I was there and I was like, this is home. This is what people say in their little cliche quotes about home is where the heart is. And I'm like, this is home. Like, this, This is what makes my heart beat a little bit faster. This is what made my skin turn a little bit darker. And I share those pictures and I'm like, do you see how dark my skin got? Like, look how dark it is. <laughs> and, and I was so happy about it because I know, like, usually in the States, we're like, we don't want our skins to get too dark. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be called like the the darkies or something.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: there I was just like, oh my gosh, the sun feels so good on my skin. And that went internal, of just like how I felt being in the land. And I just remember having all the dreams again, but thinking that I can do whatever I want to do once I get back. Like, I know I can make these decisions that I've been putting off and that mm-hmm. I've been afraid of. And spirit was really guiding me in a way of saying, you're going to be taken care of. That's what I heard the entire time I was there. Like, I took off three and a half weeks with no pay time off. I was like, I'm going on this trip. <laughs> I'm doing it. And then the trip was funded. And then I had money afterwards to like pay my bills. It was just stuff just started happening. Mm-hmm. Like you said, everything was being taken care of. And so from that trip, I always look back and I'm like, everything is going to be taken care of mm-hmm. yeah. and being present and like, what is happening right now? And you brought up when you were in the tomb of thought um, in February, I just remember being in this temple when we went and like crying and just being like, Oh my gosh, like when you feel something, you're so connected to, you don't know how to explain it. Like you just cry. And I'm like, I haven't cried that much since I was in Egypt. And that that's what it, it just keeps bringing me back to those moments of, connectedness, humanness and how everything is going to be taken care of even if we we don't know, like we can't see it um, but we're trusting that it's going to work out. I would just say for like anyone that is definitely interested in going with you and traveling with you, that they be open to that because I know sometimes we have our own set of like, this is what I'm going for and this is what I want to do but I learned that Definitely the first night I learned that, like, you may have thought you came here to do this, but this is what's actually going to happen. <laughs> um, and so just being open and not being afraid to share those fears and um, being vulnerable and saying, like, hey, I'm not quite sure what's going on here but something is happening with it. I think I said something like that to you. Like, I don't know what's going on, but something is happening. And I saw this stuff just rambling on to you. But it was that moment where I was, okay, I thought one thing, but this is what's happening. And ever since then, just that moment, I keep going back to that. It was our first night. Mm-hmm. Then three days in, it was the first night. And I keep going back to that first night and being, Okay. Everything is happening. It's happening. And I, I have like so many chills every day. <laughs> Everything is happening, and that's okay That is happening. Yeah. So that's, I got so many things that I learned, but definitely the connectedness and being in the different tombs and getting in the sarcophagus, which was like a fear of mine. I think you heard like just me crying, and I told you the dream I had, and I was just like, I literally saw myself drowning in that thing, and I did not want to get in it. But I heard, I heard the music, and I remember you said to me, "But did you know that you had sisters there? Did you know mm. we were there?" I was like, "No, I didn't see anybody," but I heard the music, and then when you said we were going to be singing, and I remember, "Oh my gosh!" Like now I'm really for the die. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it was that like protectiveness yeah Uh, we are here we're closing this we like we're here and we're here for you so um Mm. that's i just get so happy when i talk about it and it's just it's just my heart my heart but yeah those are the amazing things that i bring with me now is remembering the connectiveness and remembering that we need each other Yeah. I I don't care what people say and they're like, I don't need you, I can do it on my own. I'm like, I can't do this on my own. I need I know I need it. The the nostalgia before all of this would have been like, I can do this by myself. (laughs) But the me now is like, no, we need to be connected. I have sisters and brothers who can do things that I don't know how to do. They have resources that I don't have.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I have stuff that they don't have. And if we work together on this, we can do this. Yeah. And so that was a big part of my learning of being in Egypt.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah, we do need we do need each other so much. And I too have really learned that through the work of the pilgr- the pilgrimages and This is such a a gift to be able to have this conversation with you right now. I turned 40 on Friday. Offering these pilgrimages and and being able to walk with people on these, you know, in these sacred lands is like one of the greatest gifts. It's like breathing. I mean, it, 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 I feel like when I'm doing it, it's what I came here to do on earth. So to be able to, to share conversation with you, but then also to really unpack some of these memories is so sacred because it brings me right back to that energy that we got to experience together. And, and that's why we go on pilgrimage is to really, yeah, it's to be in that moment and to enjoy and to connect. Absolutely. And it's also to literally bring it home with us to anchor this awakening and the, this awareness into the consciousness of our brothers and sisters that live amongst us and I've been able to travel a lot in my life because my father was in the military. And, and so I grew up moving and like I lived in Germany for three years as a child from 1986 to 1989. So in that three year period, we could just get in the car and like drive to Italy or drive to Switzerland, you know? So I got to experience things that a lot of people wouldn't. And when I When I arrived in Egypt, it just felt like home. And I was kind of surprised, you know, because I really arrived with so much respect for the land and this assumption, like, I don't have Egyptian blood. It's not my lineage, you know? Like, what right do I really have to be here? Because I had just started doing deep work with Elder Maladoma before my first pilgrimage to Egypt, I, f- I could feel like the elementals of the land, like literally like welcoming me. It was like kind of like, I was really taken aback by it. And I'll never forget the first time. Well, actually the first time I met Ahmed, he said, welcome home to me. And that was, I had been in Egypt for like maybe an hour. <laughs> he's like, welcome home. And I'm like, all jet lagged and like, what? <laughs> And I asked him at one point, you know, because he, he's he been doing this work as an Egyptologist and a tour guide for over two decades. I'm like, how does it feel to have all these people to come to your home as tourists, you know, wanting to receive or, you know, as pilgrims? And, and he said, well, Egypt is for everyone. And he really believes that. And I think that that's interesting, right? When we consider these times and how we're all trying to find our way and our stories and there is something that the deeper I go you know I've traveled there now I've I've had this privilege to travel there four times now and I'm in the midst of my graduate studies getting my master of arts in cultural astronomy and astrology and uh, a lot of it takes me to Egypt a lot of the coursework I do I I'm studying different parts of the temples and the astrology and the astronomy, but I'm also studying Greek culture and Roman and how they infiltrated, you know, Egyptian culture. And then they kind of merged. And the deeper I go, it really does feel like it's true. Like Egypt is, has these, these codes that are really important for humanity at these time at this time globally yeah and and what you spoke to around just having the sense of power like you come home and all of the things you were putting off or you were afraid to do you're just gonna do them and I absolutely like that has been so true for me the the first time I was in the great pyramid I was given two mantras in that time and one was trust the process And the second was, all is in divine order. And it was literally like they were etched in my brain. And I mean, you know, as an English speaker, like they're not like, yeah, we've all heard that those phrases, a lot of us who have done any sort of spiritual study, but the way they were like put into my brain, it just was like, yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Before we wrap up, do, do you feel like you would like to, would you be inspired to just share some sort of poetry in our closing?
1: I just want to share this piece to you. I don't even know if you've heard it. Your birthday is coming up and it's such a big number, but also for your listeners too. And I think you will catch the drift of it because, again, it had to a lot to do with um, us being in Egypt. and being like proposing to ourselves and marrying ourselves. Mm. It is called Say Yes. I hope you say yes to yourself. As you walk to the stage to engage in the most memorable ceremony, the self to reveal, the self to heal, the self appears in the most beautiful way. I hope you say yes to yourself. Long flurry dress or suits with ties, white headdress, pants crease with nice shoes to go with. I hope you say yes to yourself, yes to all your flaws, yes to all your imperfections, but yes to who you are revealing through self-reflection. I hope you say yes to yourself, to love, to hold, to cherish, to listen, to stand firm, to be bold, to care, and to comfort. I hope you say yes to yourself, to your dreams, to your aspirations, to your destiny, to your calling. I, I hope you say yes to yourself. And really listen when any part says no, any part says let go, any part that says we are healed, and any part that says stand still and listen. I hope you say yes to yourself and allow the words to flow freely. Allow the people to see you for who you are, to be bare but yet to be whole, to be sure even through the unknown, to be pure when scars are shown, wounds are healed, and you've learned how to care for your own wounds and not bleed on anyone else. So I hope you say yes to yourself before you decide to say yes to anyone else.
0: And so it is. <laughs> so it is, so it is. I hope so you say yes to yourself too, Nastasia.
1: <laughs> so much for having me. I really appreciate this conversation. And yeah. it's like you said, we can we can keep going and going and going. Yeah. So it's always just so easy to communicate so thank you for having this time
0: Mm, thank you thank you so much for your time and being available and just opening your heart and for your art for your creativity for your trust for your hope for your perseverance for your intelligence and the way you keep growing and stretching yourself and showing up and just being tender through it all too
1: <laughs> tender toughness
0: yeah that's the way of the cancer crab right tender toughness you've got it down you're 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 like in the archetype so keep up with that cuz you're you're holding it in such a beautiful way
1: <laughs> thank you so much thank you thank you
0: Thank you, Nastasia, and thank you so much to your ancestors, to you for sharing some of their stories and your grandmothers, and they're so proud of you. I feel that, you know, like I really do. Maybe I'll just continue to find ways to build these bridges and be tender and tough as we're going through these tumultuous changes that are gonna take us deeper into this aquarian age where really so much is possible yeah yeah Yeah. i'm here with you sister Ah, i'm here with you sister to honor the zenith of the sun you may wish to gather together with loved ones with friends or you may wish to be on your own and take some time in nature to go on a long night's walk. You might feel called to make a shrine to the sun, to decorate a space, to enjoy a feast together, to create a sacred procession through the nature that surrounds your dwelling space, to draw dragons, Or the goddess and the green man you may wish to make a sacred fire tonight and light lanterns and candles to give offerings to the land to your ancestors and to save the sacred ashes from the fire for future ceremonies or to rub on your body for protection the palms of your hands the soles of your feet even the wheels of your car Perhaps you'll find that you're drawn to stay up all night to watch the sunrise, to give thanks and praise to the rays of the sun as they come purify your body, as they come to renew all that you are. Thank you so much for sharing sacred space My prayer is that we, as the individuals of humanity, awaken to the reality that we are a hologram for the collective. By being fierce in our authentic truth, we have the opportunity to elevate life on this exquisite planet Earth. In Episode 5, we will dive into Mars and the Divine Masculine, the resurrection of the kings after trial by fire. If you've enjoyed this episode and you're enjoying stars, stones and stories, the greatest gift you can give to me at this time is spread the word, find three friends, three loved ones and share this podcast, go on iTunes, leave a review, write me personally, let me know what you love, what you would like to hear more of and just know that I always enjoy receiving your messages. I wish you and your lineage infinite blessings as we dissolve and as we are reborn at this potent time of year with the zenith of the sun.